On the phone line with us today is attorney Christopher Ferrara, special counsel to the Thomas More Society. Uh, Christopher, it's an honor to have you on with us today. Well, thank you for the opportunity. You are an attorney, and your five clients in the, in one case here, uh, two priests, three Jewish men, uh, you filed a lawsuit in the U.S. District Court for the Northern District of New York, and that lawsuit uh, is against Governor Andrew Cuomo, Attorney General Letitia James, and Mayor Bill de Blasio. So um, can you tell our listeners, we're very interested in this. It's a case that affects all churches, really, in New York State. Can you tell us uh, a little bit about this lawsuit? Well, what we're dealing with in New York State is something we've never seen before in American history, and it's been replicated in state after state, and that's a lockdown of an entire state population under executive orders that, on the pretext of limiting the spread of a virus, dictate virtually every aspect of the social, political, and spiritual lives of millions of people, telling them when they may leave their homes, for what purposes they may leave their homes, how large their gatherings can be, which businesses they may patronize, which businesses may operate, which may stay closed, which recreational activities are permissible. It's really quite an amazing series of regulations of everything in the lives of people. Never before has all of the healthy been quarantined during an epidemic. The usual procedure in the history of outbreaks of various kinds has been to quarantine the sick right. and other people go about their business. The effect on religion in New York has been devastating. So we have an outdoor limitation of 10 people for any kind of gathering, including a religious gathering. And we have also an indoor limitation that varies from place to place. Um, so it depends upon what phase of the uh, reopening you're in, because it's a multi-phase reopening plan. A bureaucrat's dream, by the way. <laughs> You've never seen such complex regulations. And we're challenging the outdoor limitation and the indoor limitation because they target, in our view, religion. Here's the way it works. All kinds of gatherings are permitted indoors for favored businesses. So if you look at it as a kind of inverted pyramid, at the top of the inverted pyramid you have extremely favored businesses that have 100% indoor occupancy, including airports, other transportation hubs, homeless shelters, drop-in homeless shelters where you're not overnight but you're there all day long, and grocery stores provide some examples of the top tier. Then you have in the middle less favored businesses, but still favored, that have 50% indoor occupancy throughout the state. These include numerous so-called non-essential retail businesses, office environments of various kinds, uh, accounting firms, law firms, manufacturing facilities of various kinds that are considered non-essential. It's really quite staggering, the, the uh, array of regulations. Finally, you get to the bottom of the pyramid, the inverted pyramid. So there's a little tiny point at the bottom of this inverted pyramid. And in, the, in this little point at the bottom of the pyramid, one thing and one thing only is found at 25% occupancy. And guess what that is? Religious gatherings. Yes. So out of all these regulations governing 19 million people, 
50% occupancy is given to businesses, 100% occupancy is given to businesses, depending upon the business and the region. But when you get to religious gatherings throughout the state, it's 25%. What's the rational basis for that? There is none. Now, when you go to the outdoor gathering limitations, it was 10 persons outdoors throughout the state. I think just recently there's been some guidance that in the upstate region of New York, toward the Canadian border, they've generously expanded the outdoor gathering limit to 25 people. All of this is supposed to prevent the spread of a virus. As far as I'm concerned, it's ridiculous. There's no science behind any of this nonsense. That's right. But what has happened in New York? Well, because of the death of George Floyd, throughout the state in every major city and many of the large towns, there have been mass demonstrations numbering in the thousands or the tens of thousands. No one in these demonstrations is observing any 10-person limit in the southern part of the state, nor are they observing any 25-person limit in the northern part of the state. The limits are gone by the boards completely for these demonstrations. Now, Governor Cuomo favors the demonstrations. He says, I stand with the demonstrators. I applaud the demonstrators. What the demonstrators are doing is necessary for social change. And by social change, he means a total reform of every police department. Mm-hmm. At a press conference last Sunday, he said, well, now that we've had these demonstrations, which were so necessary, the social change, all of you municipalities, you have a blank sheet of paper to rewrite the, the design and the operations of your, your police departments, thanks to these wonderful demonstrators. As for Mayor de Blasio down in New York City, he applauds the demonstrators. Not only that, he says, that what the demonstrators are demonstrating about the death of George Floyd, which is a legitimate First Amendment cause to march in the streets for, what they're doing is more important than those who seek to return to religious services. Right. So it's a blatant double standard at work. If you want to protest something that the governor favors, protests concerning, or that the mayor favors protests concerning, you're free to do so, without limitation, in the tens of thousands. So their whole regime of gatherings limitations is exposed as a total sham. The minute they were required to demonstrate true neutrality, when it came to a demonstration they, they both favored, neutrality went right out the window. So any claim that this is a general, uh, generally applicable and neutral regulation has been extinguished by their own behavior. They've created an exception for any demonstration they favor. So our contention in this case is very simple. The outdoor limitations should be gone. In fact, that's what Governor Murphy did in New Jersey because he was marching in demonstrations for George Floyd. And when the public called him out on it, he basically reneged on his gathering limits and issued Executive Order 152, which says all gatherings for religious or political purposes outdoors may proceed with no numerical limitation. He dropped all the limits on outdoor gatherings. Why? Because he was participating (laughs) in gatherings that violated his own laws. So embarrassed by that, he had to do the right thing and eliminate those outdoor gathering limits. So our our argument in New York is very simple. The governor of New York has to be as honest as Murphy was Mm -hmm. and admit that he has posed a double standard. The protests he likes can proceed. Meanwhile, (laughs) in New York City, days after one of the massive... George Floyd protests, 11 Hasidic children were kicked out of a park by the police. Wow. You can't have 11 Hasidic children in a park. But you can have, have 25,000 people marching in the same neighborhood if the cause meets with the approval of Mayor de Blasio and 
Governor Cuomo. Well, this is obviously preposterous, mm. and it has to end. So that's why we sued. And we're hoping that uh, the, uh, the judge will render a decision that eliminates the disparity between the outdoor gathering limits, just eliminate those completely, and at least places religion on the same footing as homeless centers, drop-in homeless centers, special ed classes, uh, grocery stores. Here's a, here's a compelling example in terms of groceries. One of our clients noted that if you go to the bagel store across from the synagogue, it's packed with people. There's no limitation on the number of people inside because bagels are essential. But right across the street from the bagel store, his synagogue is limited to 10 people indoors. Now, how does that make any sense? That's right. The Constitution. And what does this have to do with stopping the spread of a virus? Obviously nothing. So what we're seeing here in some is just, at this point, social control for its own sake. They can't admit that they have a double standard. They can't let go of their dictatorial grasp over the lives of 19 million people. They want to run things according to their whims. They want to authorize the gatherings they like and continue to suppress the gatherings they don't like. And we've never seen anything like this. It's, there's only one word for it. Tyranny. Absolutely. And it has to end. Absolutely. And it has to end. I, uh, I have some friends, and some of, you know, I have various friends. We all do. Some see these things for what they are, and it drives them nuts because they realize yep. that our constitutional rights are being totally eroded. It's like they've taken the Bill of Rights and thrown it right out the door. And and I'm okay with some people not being wired that way, not being able to see it. You know, And I'm talking about Christian folks here. But there's a number of Christian folks that I know that are really ticked, put it that way, because they, real, be. they realize that not only is this... Well, you know, things are starting to improve a little bit, in quotes, very slightly. And we're having, you know, some worship services, multiple worship services, and social distancing. I never liked that phrase, by the way. Social it annoys dis- me no end. Me really too. And, and the masks and all of that. Um, the masks, by the way, let, let me talk about the masks. I mean, you know, I mean, <laughs> this is just, it's a ritual at this point. It doesn't mean anything. If you watch right. these press briefings... At the White House, uh, Kylie McEnany is up there with no mask. She doesn't need a mask. She's not spreading any disease. No. And all the reporters are sitting there in their stupid masks, you know, you know, giving her their muffled questions, all of them <laughs> stupid gotcha questions, while wearing their emblematic masks. And you think these people are wearing the mask when they leave that room when the camera's not on? Maybe some of them, but I don't think a lot of them just get rid of the masks as soon as they can. Oh, yeah. they, the CDC was telling us not to wear masks. Fauci was telling us not to wear masks, saying they were counterproductive. The Surgeon General was telling us not to wear masks. That was back in March. Suddenly, when the pandemic is on the wane, everybody has to put a mask on. <laughs> what for? <laughs> it's, it's ridiculous. Yes. and, and well, th- Now, my clients are willing to practice reasonable social distancing. Uh, and so if, if the churches are opened up and they are given the right to access the facilities to the same extent businesses are, they have no problem observing certain reasonable well, measures, sure. which, which are those that the businesses are observing. So, you know, social distancing, sanitizing services, and so forth, uh, just the way the businesses are doing. But again, we, we find ourselves at the bottom of this pyramid. The only activity in the whole state of New York, limited to 25% occupancy at this point, is religious service. It's unbelievable. Well, here, here's, a concern. No for that. here's a concern that I have. Let's say we make it through this time, in quotes, we make it through. Here's my point. 
What about the next time? Now, oh, now, now, now the people in control who are acting like tyrants know how much they can get away with as they stomp our Bill of Rights into the ground. Can you imagine what will happen the next time? And that's why I'm interested in this lawsuit. This, this, well, this is important. Is one of the reasons we brought the action, this paradigm cannot be allowed to become a permanent institution. No in way. And, by the way, there's a state law issue in the New York case. I'm not sure about the extent to which we'll pursue it in federal court, but under Executive Law 29-A, the governor has emergency powers. Well, I can understand that during a time of na- na- natural disaster, sure. for example. He can suspend the operation of laws temporarily. Uh, various laws should be suspended in times of emergency so that uh, the police can operate differently than they would ordinarily to get from one place to another, and people would have to remain uh, stationary in certain places, shelter in place during a hurricane, and so forth. Sure, okay, suspend the operation of certain laws, rules, and regulations for a limited time during a natural disaster. Nowhere does that executive law give this governor the right to start legislating and prescribing positive things, not just suspending You're them, right. but writing new ones, telling us which businesses can operate in which regions and how many people can occupy each building and how many gatherings can be permitted and what, what number of people can be involved in each gathering. You really have to go to the uh, New York website. It's, it's hilarious. You go to the New York website to see what you can do under these orders. You start off at some sort of uh, locator device, you go to the, the region or the phase, say you're phase one. You click on phase one. Then you figure out, what county am I in? Then you click on the county. Then you put in a business code. You click on the business code. When you get to the business code, it tells you to go to the guidelines for that business today. But that could be different tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> so so you're, you're negotiating this, this uh, forest of drop-down menus in different phases in different parts of the state to figure out what the governor's going to let you do today. Yes. I mean, what, what is this insanity? So you're right. We have to worry about the future now because they perfected a method to basically exercise absolute monarchy whenever they want to. But I have to tell you, no Christian king in his worst nightmare would have tried to regulate the lives of people to this extent. That's a very good I mean, point. I, it, I'm reminded of the uh, billboard on a highway somewhere in America, big picture of King George, and underneath it, the big legend, Miss Me Yet? These <laughs> 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 oh. people are worse than any absolute monarch. Imagine telling people how, how many uh, of their fellow citizens can gather in a church, how many can be in a synagogue, how many can go to this place? How many can go to that place? Meanwhile, if you happen to like a group of people, they have no limitations. 25,000 people on the Brooklyn Bridge, no problem. That's a righteous cause. You bet. You bet. So, and, uh, and I'm concerned about those guys that I mentioned earlier that are patriots, that understand our constitutional rights, and love the Lord. They're Christians. I'm concerned about them because it's almost like nobody is hearing their concerns. And yet you guys have. You you guys, God bless you. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about the Thomas More Society? Thomas More Society is a national public interest law firm with, that engages in public interest litigation. If we take a case, the client never pays a dime because it's in the public interest. Uh, we're supported by donations from the general public, 
and it's organizations like the Thomas More Society that make it possible to stand up to the ever-encroaching godless secular state. These organizations, when I work for and others like it, are in the front lines legally. To the extent that we can get relief from these oppressive measures, we have to do it in the courts. And in order to do it, uh, in a way that people could actually afford to do it, we have to have public interest law firms. Imagine trying to pay a law firm to do this kind of legal work. The amount of hours I've spent on this case is staggering. If I had to bill somebody in, who's a plaintiff in this case for that amount of time, it would be prohibitive. Yes. So these are essential organizations. The Thomas More Society is doing fantastic work all over the country. We've brought suits against these lockdown regimes in numerous different states. You've had some wins. You've had some losses. And, you know, it has to be done. I mean, the only way we're going to be able to defend ourselves is by means of a good offense. And the only good offense we have in our system is a lawsuit. That's right. Either yeah. that or civil disobedience. Yes, yes. And uh, so. I, had, I had emailed someone else very close to me saying, you know what, I'm interested in, I wish I could get together with about 100 churches and hire a good lawyer and sue um, you know, basically what you did here. I had no idea that this thing even existed. Um, what, what state are you in? I, I'm in New York State. Oh, what part of the state? Yeah, I'm, I'm in the, the middle section in between Albany, I mean, in between New York City and Albany in the Mid-Hudson Valley. Oh, I don't know what phase you're probably in phase two. Probably so, because because they just allowed our... And this burns me up to even say it this way, but they just allowed our church to open, but you know it's with with big restrictions. So we actually had inside worship for the first time last Sunday. What was the numerical limitation? Oh, what was it? Uh, Twenty uh, fifty? I think something like fifty. I don't know because the church is you know fairly spacious, but it was uh, significant. Oh, twenty five percent of capacity. So you must have a church that holds two hundred. Yeah. Oh, yeah. More. Yeah. Yeah. So you know it's, but you know that's still very restrictive, and I'm sure we could have fit normal people in there, normal worship, and been just fine. But you know. Well, where's the science? behind this idea that a church can only have 25% capacity. I don't know. I don't know what the hell they... A shelter can have 100% capacity. This is, none of this is scientific. This is what's so galling. That, that's what aggravates me, and, and they, they shut us all down based on um, the model uh, that was wrong, you know, and it was not peer-reviewed, and it, that drove me up a wall, too. Well, then they have these anecdotes, too. So in the suit that I'm involved in now, they have an anecdote somewhere in Arkansas back in early March when no one even knew about social distancing and when even Fauci, Dr. Fauci, was saying, oh, this is not a big threat, you don't need to wear a mask. Somewhere, somewhere in Arkansas, someone at a religious service spread the virus to somebody else, and that's supposed to prove that religious right. services indoors are some terrible viral vector that's more threatening than being inside a supermarket or a factory or an office. It's a superstition is what it really is. It's an anti-religious <laughs> superstition that somehow when people get together under one roof to worship, they've become an incubator of the virus and everyone must be afraid of them. So mm-hmm. they, they have to be under especially tight regulations. This is, this is not science. No. And, uh, you know, there is, I mean, there is something to the fact that the virus is real. And I was reading an article just this morning that highlighted the fact that some people it affects very seriously, and other people are not affected at all. And there seems to be a trend that the very elderly are the ones that are 
most at risk, and particularly people already having lung problems, COPD, uh, that I can understand. But you know what? We just need the freedom. If, if, you, if you're an asthmatic like me and a little bit older, just stay home. But don't force all... Exactly. Well, I have personal experience with this whole epidemic. Because my father, at age of 96, yeah. was locked into a nursing home by Governor Murphy, one of his many idiotic orders. He forced my father to stay inside that nursing home where someone had been infected with the virus. Oh, no. It spread throughout the nursing home, infecting everybody. My sister, who would go in there every day to see him and give him extra water, he needed at least five extra glasses of water a day. That's right. Being hydrated. He had almost died twice from dehydration because they weren't giving enough water. They locked her out for a month and a half. He became critically dehydrated. They took him out of the nursing home that was locked down, put him into a hospital for dehydration, where he was locked down. My sister couldn't get into the hospital either. They managed to rehydrate him. They sent him back to the nursing home, which is full of full COVID patients. Yeah. Then he gets dehydrated again. So they put him back in the hospital again, where he's locked down again. And isn't it strange that they told us, once they were sure that he was on the way out, now you can have a visit. You put a gown on and wear your mask. So suddenly the fear of the virus isn't a bar to going in there and visiting him. Well, I, I ask myself the question, if you're letting us in now that he's almost dead, why couldn't we go in there before? That's right. Keep him from getting to that point. Don't ask anybody there for a sensible explanation. But the long and the short of it is his kidneys fail. He could no longer absorb water, not even by IV, because the fluid was building up and uh. getting congestive heart failure, and he died in, uh. in the hospital. I'm so sorry. We had to watch it. We uh. had to watch it. That, this, and this was, this was their genius uh, epidemiological procedure. Lock everybody right. in, make sure they all get good and sick. And then they, when they're about to die, you can have compassionate visits. Well, on top of that... Murphy did this and Cuomo did this yeah, for thousands of people. Mr. Cuomo ended up putting known COVID patients into the nursing homes, and that killed thousands of older people. Yep, that's what happened to my father. And, you know, they had the audacity to put on the death certificate that the cause of death was respiratory arrest from COVID-19. That's a lie. He never went into respiratory arrest. He was never intubated. He had a cannula in his nose for three liters of oxygen. He was never in any danger of respiratory arrest. He died because he couldn't absorb water anymore. I'm so sorry you lost your father. You lost your father. Yeah, 96. A very holy man. He died died a holy death. He had the last rites. So, you know, we're happy for him in that sense. But the, the, the lockdown regime killed him, killed thousands of other people. It really and did. And they had the audacity to sit there with their graphs and charts and pat themselves on the back because they bent the curve, and the curve has gone down. And yes. look at this infection rate, how low it is. You see what we did? They didn't do anything. You know what they did? They made it worse. If they had done nothing, the graphs would have gone in the same direction. Yeah, so true. And and uh, we're out of time. I, I really appreciate you joining us today. Um, our guest has been attorney Christopher Ferrara, and um, if someone would like to learn more about this case, uh, learn more about the Thomas More Society, uh, where could they go online? Uh, Thomas More Society, and More has one O, M-O-R-E, thomasmoresociety.org. Well, is there a way for people to support the Thomas More Society, possibly 
uh, even send money in order to support this case? Oh, sure. If you go to thomasmorrisociety.org, there'll be a page where you can make donations online or an address where you can mail a donation, wherever you prefer. This is a very good cause, and it's helping to preserve freedom for the future because times are dire and people are out there trying to take away our rights to worship. So we thank you very much, Attorney, for coming on with us today. You're welcome. Take care. God bless. Same to you. Dear listener, please join us next week for another edition of A Plain Answer. to cry out to him and you'll find no curtain there no reason left for fear there's perfect freedom here to weep every unwed tear come lift up your sorrow Offer your pain Come make a sacrifice Of all your share There in your wilderness He's waiting for you To worship Him Him. Yeah.